And so when I hit my goal, it's like, hey, listen, I hit the goal. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate my victory with them. If people would stick to their promises, right? If we keep our own promises, we'll do a lot better job of keeping promises to other people. But if you break promises to yourself every single day, you'll break promises to other people too. I mean, who's more important than you? I mean, if you can't keep promises to yourself, then you're not going to keep promises to anybody and you'll never hit goals. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome back to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner. So last week, I introduced to you part one of the Jay Atkins podcast, and this week we follow up in part two. As you all know, at the very end of every podcast, we get into an E9 rapid fire. I promise you, if you have ever skipped that part, don't skip it this time because this E9 rapid fire questions really <laughs> ends up being not rapid fire. I think we ended up spending 30 minutes or so, but he gives some absolute gold whenever he starts giving some scripts and things that you're going to want to pull over or stop what you're doing and take some notes. It is absolute gold. So without further ado, Let's get into part two of my conversation with Jay Atkins. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating, A-B split testing, and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the Direct Clicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, Let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no-obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. So what did I do to get 1% better yesterday? Three people I'm grateful for, and did you tell them? One thing you are grateful for, what two goals am I going to work on today and put them on your calendar? What goals did I hit yesterday? One thing that made me smile yesterday, one new thing that I learned yesterday, one thing that would have made yesterday even better. And what did you give yesterday? I love your fours. I love that everything in fours, especially love the breaking down of the week and the day as four. I totally agree with you. Probably four years ago, maybe three years ago, started running all the businesses on a 90-day quarterly cycle. Absolutely game changer on doing that. I completely agree with you. Love the week and the day. How do you break down the month into a four? Four weeks. Four, four weeks. There's four. four weeks in every month. And then there's three or four days left of most months. That's overtime. So all my activity is going to be planned in those four weeks. And those four weeks are broken down into four days. Yeah. Those four days are broken down into four quarters. And the reason yeah. that I came up with that is football. Every game yeah. is broken down into four quarters, right? At the end of the quarter, what do you do? You go to the sideline, you look at the Surface Pro, 
You say, this is what we did well. This is what we did poor. This is what we need to work on this quarter. This is how we need to get in the game. This is how we need to step on their throat. So I just broke every, I mean, everything breaks into fours in a year. So that's the reason I did that. And then I told my team, like I gave them the incentive. If you hit your goal on Thursday, Friday, you can have a half a day, but you got to hit your numbers Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then by lunchtime on Friday, you come in, wrap everything up. And if you hit your goals, you can go or you can stay and you can get ahead for the next week. It's up to you. That's the reason why I did it. But also the biggest reason is the GPA, right? The goal producing activity. What's the activity? Because a lot of people say, write down your goals and you'll hit them. Well, that's total BS, right? It's just a wish if you write it down, but you got to have a plan, right? You got to have a GPS system. So the GPS system is first, you got to know what it is. That's the first part of it. You got to know what the goal is. The second part is you have to know what the activity that's going to get you there is. The third part of it is you got to put it on a calendar because a calendar is going to actually be your GPS system, right? It's going to take you turn by turn by turn by turn to make sure that you hit that goal. And the fourth thing you have to do is you got to commit. You got to commit. I'm going to work this calendar every day. I'm going to do this at this time. This at this time. This at this time. This is this time because that's now a system. So that's why I call it a GPS, a goal planning system. So two things on that. Whenever you mentioned earlier, you were given the analogy about how much money do you want to be able to live if you had a magic wand to be able to live the life of your dreams. And a lot of people don't know that. Totally agree with you. But also, do you think it's also true that people don't even know where they're starting from today, like point A is? So it's one thing to know point A, or excuse me, point B, but a lot of people don't even know where they're starting from because depending on where you're starting, different timelines and resources are required to help you to get to where you want to be. Because if you want to get to $20,000, $20,000, but come to find out you're at $16,000 a month in personal income already. Well, that's not as big of a jump as going from $16,000 to $50,000. Yep. But a lot of people just don't know even know where they're starting from. So that's kind of one question. And then the second thing is, do you believe it's personally important for you? Okay, you know what you want, you know the activities, you calendar it, and then you commit to it. But then to also, I don't know how else to say this, but just give yourself a trophy, like a reward to say, like, this is what I want. And then when I get there, I'm actually going to have a tangible physical object that's actually going to say that I actually accomplished that. Whether it's a trip, a car. One of my favorite podcasts is all about people who have exited their business. And at the very end of the podcast, he always asks, did you buy yourself a trophy? And inevitably, the people that have bought themselves a trophy, a Tesla, a house, a lake house, or whatever it is, a trip, they are always more grateful for it because it's representative of the work that they did. And the ones that did not and say, no, I honestly just jumped into another business. They regret not actually celebrating that success. Yeah. I think um, that's really, really important is to celebrate your victories, but you got to track your process to know if you can celebrate the victories. Right. And I think what's also important is the accountability. If you don't hit the goal, what are the repercussions that you have to suffer yourself that you're going to commit to? Meaning I am not allowed to watch. I'm a news junkie. And I know people say don't watch the news because it's negative. For me, I don't see the news as a negative. I see the news as information. And I know the news purpose is negativity and fear, but I like information so that I can make business decisions and know what people are talking about. So I like to watch the news in the morning, but I'm not allowed to watch the news until I've read my 90 pages. I'm not allowed to watch television when I go to bed, which my wife likes to do until I've read 30 pages of a book that I'm reading or that I want to start to get into. So that's my reward is news or television, right? And that's really the only thing I watch on television besides my wife's sometimes watching some shows that she drags me into that I with her. But most people don't have that. If they don't hit a goal, they still reward themselves or they still do the things that they enjoy doing. So I think celebrating victories is really, really important, but you got to set what the victories are going to be and what the goal is going to be. So if I do this, this is what I'm going to treat myself to. If I do this, and I think most people don't accomplish the goals because they don't have what you're talking about, Riley. They don't have what that victory is going to represent to them, right? So if someone wins a championship, what does that represent to them? If someone playing basketball wins a national championship, why are those college kids so upset when they lose a championship? Because they didn't lose money, yeah, right? But there was a reward of winning that championship. There was a stature for them winning that championship. So, And this kind of leads to expectations that I talk about a lot. And 
most people have expectations of everybody around them. Like most husbands have expectations of the wives. Most wives have expectations of their husbands. We have expectations of our friends and they're unspoken expectations. And we actually get pissed when people don't live up to our expectations. And there's only two people you can ever have expectations from. And it's it. There's no one else. People you pay money because that's a contract. If you wash my car, mow my yard, if I'm eating at a restaurant and I'm paying $40 for a filet mignon, I expect it to be cooked the way I like it and served with a smile because I could go to Whole Foods and buy it for 15 and cook it myself, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm paying for a service. I'm paying you to do something. Employees, I can have expectations because it's a contract. I'm paying you money for a service. And the only other person that you can have expectations from is yourself. And that's it because you're going to be let down every single solitary day of your life. If I walk in the door and expect my wife to be in a good mood every single day, I'm going to be let down because she sure in the hell wasn't in a good mood every single day when we were dating and I still married her. If I expect her to cook me breakfast or dinner every single day, that's not that the only expectations that I have of her are the vows that we took before God. Those are unspoken, right? Then be by your side. I'm not going to cheat on you. I'm going to be honest with you. Like those are unspoken expectations that we can live into, but on a daily basis, or a friend, you need to text me back in 10 minutes, or I'm going to be like, you used to. Come on, man. Like, I'm busy. And so the thing about expectations, when we have them of other people, when they don't live up to our expectations, we give it meaning. And there is no meaning, right? Because we have 44,000 subconscious thoughts a day. And when I walk in the door, my day was different than my wife's day with the kids. So when I walk in the door and I have something on my mind and she doesn't have it on my mind and we're not on the same page, all of a sudden, or she's thinking you used to kiss me every time you walked in the door, or you used to give me a hug every time you walk in the door and I yeah. walk in the door and I'm in a bad mood. And all of a sudden now my wife's giving it meaning that I don't love her as much as I used to. It has no damn meaning. Yeah. There's no meaning in it. So the interesting thing about expectations though, that I want to get to is we break promises to ourselves all the time and we never get pissed at ourselves. There's never any repercussions. Never. So everyone has said this at some point in their life, starting Monday, I'm going to do this. Starting Monday, I'm going to do this. Starting Monday, I'm going to do this. And then Wednesday comes along and you've already broke your promise. And so I used to think that I was the best human being on the planet because I was a man of my word. And I used to like tout it from rooftops and be like, how can you not be a man of your word? Like, I mean, that's the one thing that you have. And what I realized is that I just had a really big ego. Mm. I didn't want to look bad. That's why I was a man of my word. Mm. I didn't want to look bad to people. So when I realized that, I leveraged that against me. And I said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to create accountability partners. I'm going to tell everybody what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell my employees. I'm going to tell my wife. I'm going to tell my kids. I'm going to tell everybody what I'm going to accomplish because now I've got people going to hold me accountable and ask me questions. And I'm not going to break promises to myself anymore. And that's what you should do. And if you do break a promise, what's the repercussions? What do I lose? If I don't hit this goal, I can't do this. If I hit this goal, then I'm going to do this with my family. But everyone's got to be bought in, right? The kids have to be bought in. Like if I don't do this, I'm not going to get to play golf. And then if my kids see me going to play golf, they're like, but dad, you didn't hit your goal. Why are you going to play golf? Or if I do hit this goal, I'm going to play golf for four days with my friends, right? And so when I hit my goal, it's like, hey, listen, I hit the goal. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate my victory with them if people would stick to their promises, right? If we keep our own promises, we'll do a lot better job of keeping promises to other people. But if you break promises to yourself every single day, you'll break promises to other people too. I mean, who's more important than you? I mean, if you can't keep promises to yourself, then you're not going to keep promises to anybody and you'll never hit goals. And that's awesome. I love that. But it still is important to have accountability to yourself, but also accountability outside of yourself too, from other people, because you're right, we will break promises to ourselves, but there is this outside of accountability. That's why coaching, uh, so many people look to coaching is because, hey, I'm paying them the contract to have you hold me accountable to certain things that I want to do either personally or professionally. Yeah, it's been awesome. So when's the book coming out? Like I'm ready to buy this book right now. It is coming out, I'm hoping October. It's in the publisher's hands now. So they have to do all the marketing and to all the bookstores. And so it, they said it's a six to eight month process. It's finished, but writing a book is definitely a process. And then when a publisher gets involved, it kind of weighs down the process a little bit because now they have control. I don't really have control of the process anymore, but it should be out soon. Well, eight months or so. 
congratulations on number one, just getting a book finished. Number two, getting it picked up by a publisher is fantastic. You let me know when it comes out. I want to be the one of the first ones to get a copy. I think it's fantastic. If this is anybody listening to this podcast can be obviously any indication of the quality of the content that's going to be in there. This podcast has obviously spoke to it. I've picked up so much. I mean, I wrote like two or three pages of notes while we were on here. Hey, before we get into E9 rapid fire, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions here okay. in just a second. But uh, somebody wants to connect with you. I mean, do you take in like LinkedIn requests? What's a website you yeah, want to you, point you to? You can go to LinkedIn, Jay Atkins3, J-A-Y-A-D-K-I-N-S-3 on Instagram is where I play the most and manage the DMs there. So just if you want to send me a DM on Jay Atkins3 Instagram or follow me there, uh, you can see some of my content on there. And if you want to book a podcast or anything like that, you can request it on Instagram and my assistant manages that. So that's the best way to get a hold of me, best way to communicate with me. So, what is the last book that you read? The last book that I read, well, I'm reading Millionaire Mind by Harv Eckerd right now. And I have my uh, iPad here. I read so many books. Talking to Strangers. Really, really, really good book. It's definitely different than what you think it would be, but it's a really good book by Malcolm Gladwell. It's an interesting take on people and trusting people and how people can be converted from CIA agents to undercover agents for Russia and Cuba. And so it's just a very interesting book. So it's a good read. You'll definitely look at people differently after reading that book. I thought it was going to be a sales book and it's not. And then reading a millionaire mindset right now. Yeah, T. Harvecker is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good book. He tries to sell his classes on there about a hundred times so far, but it's a good book. <laughs> I think he wrote that book before funnels were set up because I feel like he's constantly selling a class, but there's good information in it. All right. So what's the book you would recommend the most to an insurance agency owner? Now, this is going to be tough. I know because you're not, I can't ever answer this question myself. Uh, fanatical prospecting is definitely probably the best just because I think insurance agency owners and insurance agents in the agencies, I think, don't realize if you miss a day of prospecting, it will affect you a month later. It doesn't affect you that day, it affects you a month later, but just the process. And then the other one is, well, there's two more. Raving Fans is a great book. And then Don't Keep Me a Secret is a great referral book. I truly believe that in the insurance space, the key way to build a business is through referrals. And I think most people do such a bad job of asking for referrals. And if you want, I'll give you a little talk path real quick that is really, really simple for your yeah. listeners that they can use. So one of the first things that we do when we're giving a quote, uh, basically we have a talk path, a script that's really, really good that gets into the conversation. One, we never ask a yes or no question. So if I'm quoting an auto, I never ask if I can quote the home. I just ask them, are the vehicles garaged? And if they say, no, I live in an apartment, then I'm going to give you a renter's quote. If they say, yes, they're garaged, then I'm going to start asking questions about the home square footage, what the home's made out of. But I'm never going to say, can I quote your home? I'm just going to, I'm asking quote information. If I'm quoting a home, I'm going to ask if they garage their vehicles. And then they're going to say yes or no. And I'm going to say, what type of vehicles? Are they sitting outside? Are they sitting in a garage? Because it just sounds like I'm asking questions for a quote. So that's one of the things that I do when I'm starting to quote someone. But before I get into that, one of the first things, statements, this is a statement that I make, is that my biggest goal in this conversation is to impress you so much that you feel comfortable sending me to your friends, family, neighbors, people you work with. And it's just a statement. And the reason I make that statement is one, it sets me up to ask for referrals. Two, it sets up an expectation of the experience that they're going to have with me through this quoting process. So if you make that statement, if you make the statement as my goal is to impress you so much that you feel comfortable, I hope that you live into that statement when you're talking to that customer and do everything better than everyone else could do out in the marketplace, right? And at the end of the sale, it's the moment of truth. I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to say, Bradley, it's the moment of truth. On a scale of one to 10, one being you never, ever want to talk to me again. And 10 being that you would let me adopt your kids or at least be the godfather of your kids. How did I do? Hmm. Now, that's supposed to be funny, right? I get my customers you know, laughing like, mm, I don't think I'm going to let you adopt my kids, but you did like a 10, right? Yeah. So I just try to be right. funny a little bit. And then, you know, they say I'm a 10. Well, listen, I appreciate that more than anything. Like I told you in the beginning of this conversation, my goal was to impress you so much that you felt comfortable sending me to your friends, family, neighbors, people you work with. One of the things that I loved about working with you, Bradley, 
is I loved how much you cared about your family. Like everything that we talked about was all about your family, making sure that nothing happened. And if something happened, they were protected. Who's the first person that pops in your head that cares about their family as much as you do? And that's then, a great question. So, and the reason why I say the first person that pops in your head is because it's easy, right? If you say, oh, who do you think I could help? Then they're like thinking about it, but who's the first person that pops in your head that cares about their family as much as you do? Because that's the type of people I like to work with. And the reason people don't get referrals is because they don't ask. The second reason people don't get referrals is because they feel like it's a burden to hand. I've already got your business. Now you want me to ask for a referral? And what I tell people is, if you've asked for a referral, has anybody ever yelled at you? Like, how dare you ask me for a referral after I've just given you my business? Like that never happens, right? And the third reason is people don't know how to ask. They don't know how to ask the question. And the reason that I've formed this question now set the example for and how I ask at the end is because I was asked for referrals once in my life. And this is how often referrals are not asked for, right? I've bought a lot of things in my lifetime and one person has asked me for a referral ever. I mean, think about how many people have ever asked you for a referral? Not yeah, many not people, many. No. right? If you want to build an insurance agency, ask for referrals, but do it right and come up with a question. But this person that asked me was my tailor. And he came into my office and he slid a stack of papers across my desk and he said, hey, look through there and see in there who you think I could help the same way that I've helped you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at this stack of papers and I'm just like, where the hell did you get all these people from? And he's like, oh, that's all your LinkedIn friends. And I was like, huh, that's pretty crafty. That's pretty crafty there that you, yeah. you did that. Like, so I didn't have to think about it, right? But I had this like knot in my stomach thinking about like, I couldn't like, like who am I? Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna for him. And I'm just like, I'm like psychoanalyzing myself. I'm like, why do I feel like, like I preach this? I talk about this with my staff. Like I have to give this guy a referral. Just, I have to, like, I gotta find someone. And then I said, what are you gonna say when you call him? And he was like, yeah. well, I'm just gonna tell him that I've been working for you for 15 years and you thought they would value my service. I'm like, oh, mm, no, no, I don't want you to say that. And he was like, why? And I was like, because basically what you're saying is I think they don't know how to dress. And I was like, that's, I think why I'm struggling to send someone to you. I said, what if you said this? What if you called them up and said, hey, Bradley, this is Jay. And I've been working with Jay for 15 years. And I asked him a question the other day when I was delivering some suits. I asked him who the five best dressed people that he knows are. And you were one of those people. And he thought you might like what I do for him. Mm. He was like, that's, that's good. It's yeah. a different conversation, right? Because I'm giving a compliment, right? So that's the thing with saying who cares about their family as much as you do. And then when I call that referral, I'm going to say, hey, listen, I was talking to your friends. Love that guy. Like, I've not worked with a customer that loves their family more than this guy. And I asked him who the first person that popped in his head that cared about his family as much as you. And he said, you love the opportunity to see if I could save you some money and bring you over to a better company. What's the year of your first auto? And so I'll give you one more because I know this is a lot of insurance listeners. One of the things that I teach my people to do when I'm out and about meeting people, because everyone drives a car, pretty much. Everyone has a roof over their head, pretty much, unless you're homeless and hold up a sign asking for money. The question that I ask people always, if I'm at Whole Foods is, who does your auto insurance? Every single person, simple question, who does your auto insurance? If they don't have a car or they're with their parents, they're gonna tell me their parents. If they have a car and they're paying for their insurance and they say Geico, I'm gonna say Geico. Did you say Geico? Yeah, yeah, why? Do you know what's going on at Geico right now? No, what do you mean what's going on at Geico? I mean, I don't know. I just know like 80% of my customers this month has come from Geico. I'm not sure if it's claims or price or whatever, but I'd be doing you a huge disservice if I didn't quote your insurance because I don't know what's going on because I don't want to talk bad about an insurance company, right? I'm never going to talk someone down. I just know something's up because 80% of my customers, I don't care what they say. If it's Progressive, it's Erie, it's State Farm, it's whoever. All I want to do is get a chance to quote you. I just yeah. want your information. Even if I can't Everybody close that you. Doubt, that doubt, that sliver a little bit, doubt. A little bit. I have no idea what's going on. You might want to call them. But I'm just saying, like, I should quote your insurance where they're like, yeah, why not? Right? So yeah. that's what I teach. And now, even if someone calls in, I'm going to do the same thing. It's in our talk about. I'm going to say, well, who are you currently insured with? Geico. Geico? What the heck's going on with Geico? What do you hmm. mean? Oh, I don't know. I mean, just 80% of my, because a lot of times if they're calling or even if we're calling them and we're following up with them, who are you insured with? State Farm. State Farm. Did you say State Farm? You know what's going on with that company? Like, I'm trying to find out. Like, I don't I have no idea, but 80% of my customers have come from them this month. Where they're like, oh, because what do people like? They like lines. They like to go where everyone's going, right? If there's a line at a restaurant, people will wait to eat at that restaurant because it must be good if everyone's waiting. 
So I know that wasn't your question, but no, I, I, I want to give you value, man. Oh man, you're over delivering. This is over delivering. This is the best over deliver in E9 questions we've ever had. I love right. it. So I'll make I'm them quick now. You no, you're good. Who would you like to be able to sit next to on a 10 hour flight, dead or alive and why? I think it would have to be Jeff Bezos. I have lots of questions for Jeff. I want to know when he's going to be completely international. I want to know a lot. I mean, I think he has created a monstrosity, a business that has completely upset and made a lot of businesses go out of business. A lot of retail giants go out of business because he is just, my wife and I were talking about this last night because I thought he was just in the US and we Googled it. He's in Spain and Italy and UK and he's in some other countries. I thought he just was in, you know, because the logistics, I mean, to be able to deliver on his promise and getting things to you very quickly. So I think it would be Jeff. I mean, I think he's one of the minds. If not him, I think the other one would be Elon Musk. I'm fascinated by that guy. He's so young and he's been able to do, I think he's now the richest man in the world. So I, I like to sit beside that guy and get his side of his brain. He seems to be very interesting. What's your favorite tech tool or app that you use every day? And you can't say a native iPhone app or anything like that. You know what? I think it's Zoom. I think Zoom has changed our world just because you're able to connect with people. Like, you know, if this podcast was just on a phone with you and I, and I wasn't looking at you, it's a different dynamic. I literally use Zoom for everything. I don't have a phone conversation with anybody. I always give people a Zoom link because I think I can connect. And also the biggest reason I love it is because I'm not distracted. If I'm on my phone, I'm doing five other things because no one's looking at me. So I'm not completely engaged in the conversation, just being completely transparent. My wife yeah. said something to me the other day about being on the phone or whatever. And I was like, I'm never on the phone. And she was like, you're on the phone all day. And I was like, I'm on Zoom all day. So I think Zoom is the best tech app for me. And I would say for the insurance space, people should use Zoom. We use Zoom with our customers. We offer Zoom to every single one of our customers, even when we start the quoting process, because I think there's so many people out there that are just hiding behind a phone. I want you to see me. I want you to see my office. I want you to see how good we are. Even if you don't want to share your camera, which is cool, I want you to see who you're doing business with. So I think Zoom for business and even the insurance agency space, if you use Zoom in your insurance agency, it'll change the game and you'll close more customers because I've been in this game since 2001 and 2001 to 2007, I met every single customer face to face and I had a 93% retention because of the way that we built and the way we delivered policies and the way we did things. But now we're writing business all over the States. So you can't really do that, but I can now create that same thing with Zoom. So Zoom, get good questions, man. Great questions, Bradley. What's your favorite non-work hobby? Close with golf, but yachting is probably because I can do it with my whole family. What's the one piece of advice you would give a brand new insurance agency owner? And when I say new, we'll say less than two years. Build a network and do it by what's in it for them instead of what's in it for you. Meaning we've got a concierge program that I created a long time ago because I was poor, had no money to invest in my business. And I went out and built a network of people to send business to them through my client base and absolutely free and focused on sending them business. More workers, real estate agents, doctors, doggy daycares, whatever you can be. Get your name out there, but don't go out there with your handout. Go out there with handouts. And if you send people business, then you build a relationship a lot faster. And then you have permission to ask them for their business once you've sent them business. So if you're starting a new agency, I mean, if you put a parachute on my back right now, and dropped me anywhere in the United States of America, I could build an agency in a year based on just going out and building relationships and referrals with people. And I used to do it ground pounding. And now you can do it through Facebook and Instagram and reaching out to people. And what I mean by that is when you build a relationship with them, you can set up a news feed specifically for your centers of influence. And every morning you could come in and like, and you can share and you can comment on their posts. And the thing about life is if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. And it doesn't take very long to be out of sight, out of mind. Give you guys a very current example. Donald Trump. I mean, all you heard about for the last four years on purpose, very smartly, was Donald Trump. Now, the only thing you hear about is Biden. And what mistakes he's making, what he's doing, what he's not doing, you know, whatever. So that was what, January 20th? And it's... Two and a half months ago, and all of a sudden, this person that was 
taking over is gone like that. So that's how your business is. So you got to have a system to stay in front of people. And the best way to stay in front of people is to look out for them and send business to them. And the way you do that is to ask your customers what kind of experience they've had, what kind of great experiences that they had so that you can call up and connect with other businesses in the area and say, hey, I've got a customer that said they had a great experience with you. I'd like to offer your services to my customers. And then that way you can build a network. And you and I both know this, but if you're starting off, you got to have a referral process. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to build a business, a referral process is the key to your business because you're going to close 80% of them. You're going to retain 99% of them. And that's the key to this business. That's the reason you and I do this business is because of the residual. And building that type of business is key. So I think that's the biggest piece of advice is to get out and build a network. Even an extrovert or an introvert can do it, right? Because you're not asking for anything. Yeah. All you're asking for is the opportunity to share their business with your customers for absolute free. So get out and do that, but then you got to actually follow through. Like with mortgage brokers, we ask every single person that we close a home on or that has a home that hasn't done a home mortgage in four or five years, what's the interest rate on your mortgage? Most people have no idea. They closed on it three years ago. They have no idea if it's 4.5, 4.9, 3.5. And then what we say is, we work with three different mortgage brokers. Do you mind if I have them give you a call to see if they can save you some money on your mortgage? Because if you refinance your mortgage, if you can save 200 or 2000 a month on your mortgage, which is, I mean, where can you save the most money in your bills every month? It's your mortgage, right? It's the biggest expense you have. Yep. So yep. even if that mortgage broker cannot close that loan, the fact that I sent you a loan is more than any other insurance agents doing out there. So that's the reason I say go out there and build a network and referrals. What's the one thing that you learned the most about yourself during COVID? That I was playing too small. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. And a lot of that came from, I went to a Tony Robbins event, a business mastery event, right on the crux of COVID happening. And they asked the question, what do you do? But I want you to think about what you really do. And then they had this competition. There was 2,500 people from 53 countries. And it was a 72-hour competition. Who can build a business and impact the most people in the room? And... I knew nobody in the room and I ended up winning that contest and influencing like 1800 people in the room that I'd never met before. I won first place in that contest and got on stage with Tony and he interviewed me and, and then COVID hit, you know, I started working on my book. And so in the whole midst of that, I just realized that I'm playing too small in this life and that I need to play a lot bigger. And most people are playing too small in their life. And it just gave me time to think about where I'm playing small and where I could play a lot bigger. And most people play small because it's comfortable. And I've been comfortable for the last 20 years in my business. And I wanted to get uncomfortable. And COVID made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, it made me think about my business different. It made me think about doing things different. And it made me start other businesses. It made me start doing coaching more. It made me think what my own mindset was and what I was struggling with. It just made me realize I was playing too small. So I decided I'm going to play a lot bigger and a lot larger because most people have so much untapped potential and it's because of fear. One of my golfing groups I play golf with, we have nicknames for each one of the guys and mine's Tony. They call me Tony because of Tony Robbins. I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. So I love it. Have you been to his business mastery? No, I have not. The reason I went is because I do events and my wife and I are getting ready to do some pretty big events. Uh, We started a company called EC Squared. And it's empower couple squared, meaning what I learned from Tony Robbins is what I really do is empower people. And what I want to do is to empower people. That's why EC squared was born. If everyone is trying to empower people and give to people and make people better, we're a better planet. And I think so many people are trying to step on people to get ahead of people versus if you try to empower people and try to coach them and try to help them get better and share what's worked for you. It's going to be a much better place. And that's really what I live for when I see growth, when I see transformation in people. And when I saw that impact that I could have on complete strangers from 53 different countries, I I had no idea what I was getting into. I went to Tony Robbins event to learn how the best of the best do it. And I do events, but I wanted to see what he did different. I wanted to see how it ran. I wanted to see, because you know he has like 10 translators in the back of the room. I just wanted to see how all that worked. I wasn't really there to learn anything, to be honest with you. And then I got in this contest 
and then I went all in and and that's what that trophy is right there. Nice, nice. The business mastery. I love it. So it just made me realize, like, you know, wow. I mean, what can we do in this lifetime? What are we capable of doing in this lifetime? And I think most people just don't do it out of fear. And it made me write a book because I was, if I can do it, coming from a small town, no college education. I mean, I have a college education, but I didn't finish. I shouldn't be sitting in the seat that I'm in. I shouldn't be on your podcast. I shouldn't be talking to anybody about anything and success if I would have followed the same guides of the rest of my family. And I'm sitting here today and I know that I have the power and a following that I can have people create something for themselves that they didn't even know exist and stop using the excuses, stop letting other people tell you what you can and you can't do. And that's what I want to do in this lifetime is I want to create winners. I want to create people that... You can do whatever you want to do. And the people that tell you you can't do it is because they think they can't do it. That's the only reason they're telling you that. And they don't want to look bad. So let that be fuel. Let that just take you to the top of where you want to go. And it's going to take consistency. It's not going to be easy. I mean, my life's not been easy. And that's why we created the podcast. We want to know what your story is. I don't care about the glory. I want to know about the failures. I want to know how you overcame the failures. I want to know when you felt like giving up, what kept you giving up? Like, what did you do? Who was there? Like some of the questions you've asked today. So that's really my mission in life now is that. I love it, man. We have so much in common, just the way that we try to approach things. And so much of really where I am today is absolutely on the backs of the failures that I've had in my life, period, a hundred percent. Now, in the moments that you're going through them, it's not like, oh boy, this is going to be a great story in five years. I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast. You know, I mean, you don't think that. I mean, it's painful. It's tough. It's challenging. It's terrible. Uh, it's, it's terrible. terrible. I mean, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. But when you look back on it, the thing that I try to do now when I'm going through a failure is not get as upset or emotionally upset. I try to like look for the opportunity. Like yeah, that, that, that's, that's what that's I've learned true. to do yeah. now. But then, you know, like I remember being sad and down for a month. I'm like, God, I wasted all that time. Yeah. But yeah. now I know it's just a part of the process, man. Failure is a part of the process. Just trust it. But the universe is trying to tell you this is not the way to do it. You got to do right. it differently, right? And a lot of people make a dramatic change when sometimes you don't need to make a dramatic change. You just need to turn a couple screws and figure out what's broken. But most people give up before they figure out what's broken. I mean, there are some times professionally that I can look back on that I, quote unquote, had the most success, right, in business. I'm talking about professional success. I did not learn 1% of the things about what I know now than I did whenever I had failures in my personal or professional career. I mean, that goes both ways, hands down. But again, it's not like you seek that out per se to say like, oh, let me fail. But whenever it is different, like you're saying, to reposition it when you're going through it quicker. So then you're not in a depressed state for a month. You're in it for 24 hours and you say, okay, now what am I going to do with this? Okay, what am I going to do with this? What's the opportunity? What is God, the universe, whatever you believe, what is it telling me about this situation? Because I've successfully learned a hell of a lot of ways not to do it, quite frankly. Yep. And that's the thing. I, what I try to learn from people is what not to do. I think that's the most valuable lesson when you're trying to learn. I want to learn what not to do because I don't want to make yeah. that same mistake. If, Of course, I want to learn what to do. But what I try to learn first is what not to do. Like, where did you fall short? What was the biggest mistake that you made to keep me from making that mistake? Because it's going to speed up my process of being better at. And I will tell you, for anybody listening, the best way to learn is to ask a lot of great questions. I ask anything. I ask people what they make. I ask people how much money they've lost. I mean, I'll ask you the most uncomfortable questions. And what I will ask people is, you know, like this podcast, right? That's what I love about podcasts. I'll ask people, what are their ingredients for success? Successful people want to tell you what made them successful. They don't want to keep it all to themselves. I mean, so just ask, but people are afraid to ask those types of questions. I ask anything. My wife, when she first met me, she's like, you ask a lot of questions. I was like, yep, that's how I learned. You have a genuine curiosity to be able to learn. And honestly, questions, having answers is one thing, but I mean, the power is really in asking great questions. And honestly, the little side here, I love getting to do the podcast because I get to connect with people like you and ask great questions. I get like this coaching every single week on the podcast to learn from incredible people like yourself. I mean, that's the selfish part of this. I get it. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love about the podcast because I'm like, we learn so many cool things from people every week. I told Greg, I was like, this is almost like psychotherapy, you know, like listen to these people, you know, <laughs> just like, 
That's true. Oh, I've been doing that wrong. I've been thinking about that wrong. You know, so it kind of people are like, how much do you make on the podcast? I'm like, nothing. But I make probably $10 million a year off of it. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, the knowledge I get from some of these really successful people yeah. are going to help me make $10 million in a year or make me $20 million in a year. It's like a book on steroids in a way. I mean, the best way to learn is through experience. I was on a training call actually about a week ago, and they were talking about this very thing. They had done some research on the fact that entrepreneurs in particular, they have to learn by doing. They have to learn by doing. But sometimes that you can accelerate that learning by listening to a podcast or reading a book because you're able to say like, okay, wait a minute. Hey, share with me about how not to do it so I don't run this car into a ditch. I might have make some mistakes along the way, but at least I'll know, okay, Jay has said, these are the things to avoid. Like, you got to avoid this, you know? And sometimes people will be like, yeah, it sounds good. And they'll still do it. And then they'll look back and say, you know what? That Jay guy was actually kind of right. I probably shouldn't have done that. Anyway, yeah, let's just right, face it. A lot of people don't like to read. If you think about why people don't like to read, it's because you're forced to do it when you're in school, right? And we as human yeah. beings don't like to be forced to do anything. And then you get out of school, you're like, oh, no more reading for me. You know, it's like, I mean, That's so- true. And the thing is, is formal education stops when you're 22 and then you got 60 years that you're living and you're not educating yourself anymore. Like, that's a shame. It's been said, you know, a person that doesn't read is the same as a person that can't. And if you think about that, like you judge people that can't read, but if you're not reading, it's the same thing. That's so true. Well, I mean, from the time I graduated from Auburn until 2000 and it was roughly 2015, 2016, something like that. I don't remember the exact year. So, I mean, that's 12, 13 years. I don't think I finished a book. I truly do nope. not think that nope. I finished a book. I never did. Podcast. And there was a really good friend of mine who is just absolutely the most well-read person I know. He's incredibly intelligent. You cannot have an argument with you because he will just chop you up. He just knows so many things. And I finally said, man, how do you know so much stuff? I mean, he just knows about wars from like the 1300s and just all these things. He said, well, you need to come to my house. I came to his house and I mean, he puts my bookcase to shame. I mean, it's a literally a library of books. And I thought, wow, this is really something. And I don't know how or why, but the very first book I picked up was The Slide Edge by Jeff Olson. And in that book, he talked about a lot of different things, kind of the 1% better type concept, but he really said, can you read 10 pages a day? Now you can read 10 pages a day. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I think I can read 10 pages a day. And for whatever reason, that really stuck with me. And from that moment on, it was over, really. I mean, that book in particular really changed me for the better. And now I try to read 36 to 48 books a year, which I'm not on to your pace. And I have to tell you, one little hack I do is read a book while listening to it. So on Audible, I'll buy the book on Audible hmm. and I'll actually get the physical book because I love the... I always underline my books with a red ink pen. I just enjoy doing that to be able to highlight it. But I can listen to a book. If I have the book in front of me, I can listen to it on about 2.3, 2.4 speed and capture everything I need to. And so that's one little hack because when I'm reading sometimes, if I'm just reading the book, it'll have a concept and then I'll kind of like float for a second thinking about it. And it's harder for me to go through the pages. And so if I'm actually have the experience of listening to it, and a lot of times it's the author reading it, which is great because you get to kind of get to hear it in their voice and then having the book. And so that's a little hack that I use. I would say in this podcast is the best hack that you just gave right there. And I think that's where you need to start is even if it's seven pages, like whatever it is, just yeah. have a consistent, because if you read seven pages, you can finish a book in a month. Yeah. It's crazy to think about, right? Like if you read seven That's pages, true. seven days a week, you can finish a book almost in a month. Most books are 220 to 250, 260. Yeah. Like you can finish a book a month, 12 books a year. Like, and the thing is, is once you finish a book, you're like, wow, I'm going to finish another book, but just start low to start that habit. And then what you'll find is you can read a lot more and you'll want to read a lot more. So I think that's the best. And you ask a question about a book. There's another book. Have you read Unf Yourself, John Gary Bishop? No, it's a great book to listen to. It's a great audio book. It's like a two and a half hour audio book. Um, I actually had him speak at my event and he did a kickoff meeting for me. Great philosopher. Just a great book for your listeners to li It's a great listen. I don't like to listen to books because I want, like I have to rewind a lot because I'm thinking like, I like to listen to podcasts when I work out because it's a conversation and I don't miss yeah. most of the conversation. But if when it's just someone reading a book to me, for me, I read books on my iPad because I can highlight and then all the highlights are all together. So when I want to go back and reference all the highlights, they're all together. 
for me to go back and reference. I don't have to go through the pages and try to find what I... Because I used to do that highlight thing. I love paper books. But now I love the iPad just because I can highlight like and because of the book club. Because when we discuss all my takeaways, I have them all highlighted and they're in one spot. So I have to flip through the pages when I'm going through. So that was the reason. So that's a good... If anybody listening, the best hack on here is what Bradley just said. Like start with 10, start with seven, start with five, whatever it is, just start. All right. Last two questions. 20 years ago, I had no idea this would be so hard. Marriage. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah. It is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. What is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? Put yourself in the shoes of others. Gives you a different perspective, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, when you create success and you have success, you kind of forget sometimes on the journey that we're on of what other people's shoes are right now and what's their blueprint. Because everyone's blueprint's different. Everyone's blueprint around work ethic around success, around failure, everyone's blueprints completely different. And until you put yourself in the shoes of others and get to know what their blueprint is, it's really hard to be a leader to them because they might think your concepts are crazy because we're all domesticated human beings, right? We're all born into different households and different thinkings. And so getting to know what that blueprint is and how they were domesticated or what they believe failure or success or money or any of those things are. So just put yourself in the shoe of others and try to figure them out and then you can lead better. Yeah, it's been one of my favorite episodes. We've done 55, 60 episodes up to this point and this has been great. I've enjoyed getting to know you. I've just loved this conversation. It's been great. I hope to be able to have you back on in the future. There's so many topics we could have discussed. I mean, I had so many other things I wanted to ask you, but as I said, I think this would end up being a half of a day of podcast. We could have had our first five-part series. Well, I'm very humbled. It's been really, really enjoyable. I mean, I know when we first talked, we connect. You were on vacation. I think your family is on the beach and we talked. We really connected. I mean, I really appreciate you inviting me on here. And I hope that your listeners appreciate some of the information that I shared with them and the mindset. And And I'm just humbled to be in your company, man. It's really nice to get to know you and hopefully we can connect on another level and maybe uh, spend some time together. Definitely, like you said, you're kind of a brother, another mother. We think a lot alike and it's hard to find people, honestly, in this universe that we're in now that think and believe like we do. So it was a pleasure to be on here, man. It flowed. I mean, I can't believe I just looked at the clock. It's 1.50. So we've been talking for almost two hours, which I think that the only two hour conversation that I've ever had was probably with my wife when we first started dating, you know, which was weird because I never like to be on the phone that much. And I looked up and we were talking for two hours. And I was like, hey, this is a sign. I think I might like her you know, we sign. Do, you know, for two hours. So, so my wife and you now are the longest conversations I've ever had uh, via a Zoom call or a phone call. <laughs> oh, man, this has been great. Seriously, I've just really enjoyed the conversation. It's been fantastic. Well, I told you that was going to be a great episode, and I just love that conversation. We ended up talking nearly, as you heard on the podcast, nearly two hours, and it truly did feel that it went by about 45 minutes or so. So pleasure having him on. One of the real key takeaways that did happen, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, is on the E9, where he really went into detail in the positioning that he has on the front side of a conversation to allow whenever you're at the end of the conversation to be able to actually ask for a referral. But that actually begins at the beginning, not at the end. I thought that was absolute genius. Overall, just his thought process towards self-development, culture, having an incredible team, mindset, and then his goal planning system. I have heard a lot of goal planning systems, especially. I mean, I've sought them out to try to figure out what is the best way to set goals. And I loved his step-by-step approach, not only to his mornings, but exactly how does he set goals. And then I really loved the nine questions that he asked himself every morning. And at first I thought, nine questions, that seems like that's going to be a lot. But that just shows the power of really good questions that they make you think. If this podcast was helpful, would you consider to share it with somebody, share it with one of your peers, get the word out, help us to be able to grow so we can continue to have amazing guests on like Mr. Jay Atkins. 
And as you know, and we've talked about it on the podcast many times, the importance of getting reviews. Well, same thing is true on this podcast. So if you would do us a favor and if you go to Apple iTunes and leave us a review, it would be greatly appreciated. Again, as always, special thanks to our wonderful podcast sponsor, Direct Clicks INC. They take the guesswork out of SEO and pay-per-click. It can be overwhelming. There's a lot of moving pieces. What do I look at? What do I not look at? And for some of you that like to really get under the hood and get down in there and get your hands dirty and try to figure this out, but you maybe you're wanting to say, you know what? I just need to know whether or not what I'm doing is actually working. I was talking to an agency owner just the other day that was doing this same thing. He loves to kind of get in there, tinker with it first, but then he said, you know, it actually got to be a little more and I did not have the perspective of whether or not what I was doing was actually working. So he ended up having a conversation with direct clicks, decided to move forward with them and it has made all the difference. He was doing a really great job, but he was not hitting on exactly what he needed to do. He saw his lead volume go up, his closing ratios went up and ultimately he's writing more business. If he's writing more business, he's gonna be able to grow his agency. One of the things about Club Capital and direct clicks is they were both built for agents by agents. They know your struggles. They know your pain points. They know the things that you're going through and they know what you're trying to do. They know you want to grow your business, grow your leadership and grow and develop your team. With Club Capital, yeah, you're going to get accounting and payroll and HR solutions and tax services. But what is all of that for? I mean, they track over $100 million in annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses. And you may say, that's great, Bradley, but how does that actually help me and my business? Well, it helps you because they are able to take those numbers, that data, and actually put it in a way that you can understand it. And if you can understand it, you can make better decisions for your business. Because if you can take data and you can take that data and put it in a better perspective and then use that perspective to help you to make better decisions in your business, you're going to make more money, period. Club Capital helps you to take that back office and make it much less of a hassle and much more of the strategic generator that can power the growth to your business. So visit club.capital today. Book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital is way more than a CPA firm. Until next episode, lead well. Oh,